This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Janice Dean. I'm David Asman. I'm Dana Perino, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, July 21st, 2023. I'm Chris Foster. It's 33 days until the first Republican presidential debate. I'm not convinced that President Trump won't show up. I think, you know, uh, an audience of tens of millions of people is still somewhere he's got to speak to. And so um, we'll see what happens. We're speaking with Fox News Sunday host Shannon Bream. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. Americans may be increasingly ready for a new political party. And at least one Democrat who wants to take on the incumbent president says she knows why. Today, you have these huge conglomerates and they control the narrative of the mainstream media. And they clearly line up for one party or the other, no matter what they say. And that leaves those of us who do not line up with the corporatist uh, media element in either party sometimes left out. We speak with spiritual author and Democratic candidate for president, Marianne Williamson. And I'm Brian Kilmeade. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. The first Republican presidential debate of the campaign is a month from Sunday on August 23rd in Milwaukee on Fox. Former President Trump has said being so far ahead in the polls, he might not show up. Why would I let these people take shots at me? That was last month with Fox's Brett Baer, his closest competitor in the polls, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. We'll do well either way, but I mean, I think he, he owes it to people to participate. Nobody is entitled to be nominated. You've got to earn it. you got to earn everything in this world. So I think you show up. I think you participate. I think you make your case. And I think you I think you answer questions. He was on Fox and Friends yesterday. If he's not there, everybody else is going to have a chance to articulate their policy positions, but they'll also be able to go after him without him there to defend himself. Fox News Sunday host Shannon Bream. I think the trick for the candidates who are on stage is going to be don't waste your entire time talking about Donald Trump because they're forced to do that constantly. But we do want to know what your policy positions are on other things. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not convinced that President Trump won't show up. I think, you know, uh, an audience of tens of millions of people is still somewhere he's got to speak to. And so um, we'll see what happens. But I think candidates have to to manage that time wisely. So they're not just talking about him not being there if he doesn't show. Yeah. I mean, he was considered a pretty smart and good debater in 2016. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, again, like you said, he may just feel like there's more to lose than gain. There's no to go but down um the candidates who look like they're pretty safe to make the stage so far if they want to uh trump ron DeSantis, nikki haley vivek ramaswamy chris christie and tim scott look like they're probably mm -hmm. gonna make it former vice president pence having a hard time finding donors one of the qualifications you have to have enough unique donors mm -hmm. and others might be in the same boat either short on donors or in the polls like asa hutchinson doug burgum will Hurd. they may not make the stage so mm -hmm. it's not it's not gonna be as crowded as it was in 2016 it looks like yeah, at least not in this first one. So you're right. Unique donors, you've got to have 40,000 unique donors. Those people could give $1.
I mean, it doesn't matter. You just got to have the ability to show that you've got broad enough support and you've got to have a certain number from at least 20 different states or territories. So what the RNC is obviously trying to do is make sure these are legit candidates with broad appeal that actually have support. Listen, it's crunch time because you've only got a couple of weeks until you can get together that criteria to actually make it to that debate stage. But I think that's why we've seen some of these really kind of funky, unique, you know, you give a dollar, we give you a $20 gift card, or you can go out there and raise on my behalf and I'll give you a percentage as in the case of Vivek Ramaswamy, I'll give you a percentage of the hall. You're right. sort of like a bundler for me. So, yeah, and, and Miami's mayor, Francis Suarez also, I mean, front row tickets to a Leo Messi uh, match is going to be a pretty good draw to get people in. And again, you know, entered into a drawing like that for just a dollar, they're getting creative because if you get on that stage, you've got a national audience. And if you don't get there, you got to wonder how many donors are going to continue sending money and support your way. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you get a chance to catch Robert F. Kennedy Jr., um, a Democrat running against the Democratic Party president, testifying at a Republican called hearing on social media censorship. Um, he's in a weird spot. He's being embraced by some people on the right. He says, look, I'm a lifelong Democrat, but we need to be able to talk about stuff and be more respectful to each other. And he's accused of anti-Semitism. Um, he's just in a, he's in a weird place in our political conversation right now. Yeah. And, you know, the Democrats who don't want him there at all. I mean, this is a hearing that's about, you know, it's the weaponization subcommittee. So, you know, the government, were they colluding with big tech? Were they censoring viewpoints? RFK Jr. says, I know about that. I've been at the receiving end of that. So it's that kind of hearing. But because of recent comments he's made, I mean, and he says a lot of controversial things, you know, Democrats were arguing he shouldn't be there at all. He should never be a witness. He shouldn't be in this hearing that he's had anti-Semitic comments that, you know, he's just not somebody who should Congress should be even be giving time to. So there's so many different controversial topics and disputes and very partisan fights tied up in this whole hearing today. And he's definitely at the center of it. You covered the Hunter Biden hearing this week, I know. Um, mm -hmm. Both sides seemed dug in hearing after hearing. It's either, well, this is nothing or it's the scandal of the century. Uh, has there been any more clarity with this new testimony from this second whistleblower? Well, gosh, I think that he was a surprise to a lot of folks. You could feel that as his um, resume and his background was kind of settling in for people where he says, you know, I'm a Democrat. I'm an LGBTQ member um, that is married to a man. And this is not like I'm some partisan far right Republican who wants to come in here and destroy the Biden family. And I think just that resume alone, you know, it gives the left a little bit tougher of time of going after him, of saying, you know, he's in this for political purposes. I mean, I can't imagine. And he talked about this some about you know how difficult it was for him to make this decision to come forward where he's got people who within his own community and you know shared beliefs and those kinds of things who feel like what are you doing why would you do this and from the democrats i didn't hear them rebutting a whole lot of what either of these whistleblowers had to say a couple lines of attack which listen the first one is, is very valid to say um investigators and prosecutors often disagree on what they're going to move forward with investigators get these things together. They're like, we've got a tight case. I want to do this. But prosecutors have to decide what they can actually get across the finish line. So those two bodies are going to, they're going to butt heads over things. That doesn't seem to explain this fully because there was a point, according to, um, you know, at least one of the whistleblowers that there seemed to be some agreement with supervisors and attorneys and prosecutors that some of these more tough penalties and charges for Hunter Biden were warranted or viewed as reasonable. The second thing I primarily saw Democrats doing yesterday is spinning off into conversations about Donald Trump, racial injustice, other things that really had nothing to do with the Hunter Biden case. So whether you're willing to listen to the whistleblowers or not, you know, and what they had to say, 
what really matters, I think, too, is if they're going to get to talk to David Weiss, the U.S. attorney, who his comments at least seem to be somewhat in conflict with what these whistleblowers are saying. And there's been an indication that lawmakers will get to hear from Weiss. And I think that's got to be done in order to get some clarity on all of this. Some bad news for fans of decorum during that hearing. Uh, Marjorie Taylor <laughs> Greene, Congresswoman Marjorie oh Taylor Greene, uh, showed some explicit photographs of Hunter Biden that I guess were taken from that laptop uh, that he turned over to get repaired. Uh, any repercussions for her? Not that I've heard. I, d- I don't know. Um, yeah. So when I looked up at one point from the C-SPAN coverage of it and saw some sort of blurring out or pixelation, I thought, uh oh, um, she had warned people before she started. She said, you know, parental warning kind of here. This is just, so you know, there's going to be some adult material here. I can't remember exactly which wording she used. Um, but there are rules about what you can and can't do and present in these hearings. Um, but she says, you know, she was pulling this stuff from the laptop and she had a point to make. So we'll see. You know, there was another very heated hearing on the um, Hill within the last day or two in which one of the members who had referred to GOP members as a terrorist or this is like fighting with terrorists. Those words were struck. Um, she took those down. So we'll see if anything similar ha- happens on the other side of the aisle with uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, Hunter Biden's dad, uh, the president in Philadelphia yesterday, another speech about Bidenomics, and he says it's helping the American people. Unemployment is below 4%. The longest stretch of unemployment below 4% in the last 50 years. We're beginning to come back, folks. We can because we're giving workers a chance. Um, this Monmouth University poll that came out this week, people aren't necessarily convinced or hearing that message. Um, 47% of people approve of his uh, performance on jobs and unemployment, 48% disapprove. That's, you know, obviously pretty split inflation. He's still way down. 34% say he's handling it well. Yeah. And this mirrors a lot of our recent Fox News polling as well. Like, how do people feel about how he's handling the economy? 60% say they disapprove of how he's doing it on the economy. So, Listen, his administration will point to numbers are moving in the right direction. Inflation is coming down. You know, jobs are at a good place with unemployment. But it's, you know, this stuff takes time to show up in people's wallets and in their own personal experience. And listen, if prices are still higher as they were than a year or two years ago, um, people are still struggling. For the most part, inflation has outpaced wage growth. I mean, that may have finally settled down the last month or two, but still, you're so far behind from the two years of feeling like everything was more expensive and you couldn't catch up. I just think the reality for people has not shown up yet. Now, whether that turns around in the next you know, nine to 12 months um, will be a huge factor, I think, for the president in his reelection bid. My concern about inflation right now is movie tickets. Are you aware? Oh, do you know what, do you know what Barbie Heimer is? Oh, I do. I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. For those who don't, uh, the, the Barbie movie's coming out this weekend. Oppenheimer's coming out this weekend. There are some people who are going to spend a large portion of a day um, seeing one movie or both. There's a debate, debate over what you see mm-hmm. first. Do you eat the mm-hmm. dessert first or, you know, the vegetables Broccoli. first? Right. <laughs> so if you watch Oppenheimer first and then go see Barbie, you might be too bummed out to enjoy Barbie. If you right. go see Barbie first and then Oppenheimer second, you go home bummed out. One suggestion from one of the stars of Barbie um, says, go see Barbie, then go see Oppenheimer, then go see Barbie again. Oh, a Barbie sandwich. Yeah. You could do that. But yeah. you're, listen, you better take out, you know, a loan if you're going to see all three of them three times in one day. Um, are, will you see either one of these new movies? Uh, yeah. I'm taking the kids to see Barbie on Sunday morning. They are not, it's a PG 13 movie. They're decidedly not 13, but I'm assuming that the, You'll be with them. The naughty stuff will go over their heads. You can shield their young eyes and ears. Yeah. 
probably they're not ready for Oppenheimer. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> no, I wouldn't start there. Okay. Um, I have gotten out of the habit of going to movies in the theater. I mean, the only thing I've seen in the last couple of years was Maverick because I was like, all right, if planes are flying around and stuff, I got to go to the theater for that. But gosh, I'll become lazy with all the home streaming options. If you if you were going to see one, which one would it be? And or, or are you are you going to see either one in the, in the theater? I would probably see Oppenheimer. Okay. Honestly, um, all of the reviews I've read on Barbie are not very flattering. In that they're like, well, it's kind of preachy and it's anti man and <laughs> you know it's super feminist. And I'm like, that was not my Barbie experience growing up. I mean, Barbie did all kinds of fantastic things. We had lots of adventures and lots of cool outfits. And yeah, she was an astronaut and a lawyer and everything else. I don't want to go to a fluffy, fun bubblegum movie like Barbie if it's going to be preaching to me. Fair. I don't know. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Let me know out there in the Twitterverse if you see it and you like it. Okay. Shannon Bream, host of Fox News Sunday. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Brian Kilmeade with your Fox News commentary coming up. A new Quinnipiac poll finds 47% of Americans would consider a third-party presidential candidate. And that poll came out just before a contentious congressional hearing held by the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government regarding censorship. The star witness was a Democrat running for president, but he was invited there by Republicans. A Democrat on this committee believes that we need to end that polarization. Do you think you can do that by censoring people? I'm telling you, you cannot. You, that only aggravates and amplifies yep. the problem. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was harshly criticized for his skeptical view of vaccines and for spreading his take during COVID. The hearing derailed at times due to requests like this one from Florida Democratic Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz. We respectfully requested that you rescind Mr. Kennedy's invitation to be, appear here due to his repeated and very recent statements that spread dangerous anti-Semitic and anti-Asian conspiracy theories and attempted to move into executive session because House rules prohibit public testimony that degrades or defames people. Kennedy said his recent comments that certain Jews and Chinese people were more protected from COVID were in the context of discussing government-created, ethnically-targeted bioweapons. And while some noted that ending his testimony would ironically censor a censorship hearing, Kennedy said he was, in fact, censored during COVID because it was the federal government telling social media companies what to take down. Florida Republican Congressman Greg Stubbe read from a recent court ruling that highlighted instances where the Biden administration told social media companies what to do. Flattery told Facebook, are you guys effing serious? I want an answer on what happened here and I want it today. Sounds like a pretty explicit threat to me. Another one, hey folks, wanted to flag the below tweet and I'm wondering if we can get moving on the process of having it removed ASAP. Sounds like a pretty explicit uh, demand from the White House to me. But Texas Democratic Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia was among the Democrats who believe such posts like Kennedy Jr.'s led to tragedy. And if anti-vaccine advocates like Mr. Kennedy did not continuously flood our communities with false health and medical information, 
more lives could have been saved. As another campaign cycle ramps up now, discussions about power and authority during an emergency may become a focus, and distrust in American institutions may embolden candidates outside the traditional party mold to run for president or run again. The conversation is healthy. And it's an important one for a democracy. Marianne Williamson is a spiritual speaker and author and Democratic presidential candidate. On one hand, we do have the First Amendment and we value as a nation, we value the, uh, the idea of free expression. And at the same time, we have the issues of I remember early on um, when there was a conversation about whether or not Donald Trump should be deplatformed from Twitter. I remember seeing a piece by Sasha Baron Cohen saying that if Hitler were alive today, he would be taking out 30-second ads on Facebook. And I remember when I heard him say that, it was like a brick to my forehead. Now, did that make me come up with the answer to this? No, because it's not an either-or black-white issue. On one hand, of course, we don't want censorship. We don't want censorship from the government, and we don't want censorship from tech companies, and we don't want the government playing footsies underneath the table with uh, tech companies and deciding for Americans what is and what is not safe. And it is also reasonable to recognize that there are clear and present dangers. Now, what one person would call a present danger, another person would call healthy information about, about a disease, a vaccine, or COVID. I understand that. I think sometimes in, in life, and particularly if we're going to have a, an intelligent civic conversation, we need to stay away from jumping immediately to, no, it's black or it's white. And we need to be having a deeper conversation. Government can't be a meat cleaver either direction, saying what you can do or saying what you can't do. Um, I look forward to hearing the, you know, seeing the video of the actual hearings because, yes, it's an important conversation. Tell me, because you're going to have conversations as you run for president on, you know, varying topics, but it sounds like it won't be on a debate stage. I know you've pressed the DNC to hold debates. They say they aren't, and they say that's pretty typical when there's an incumbent. But do you feel maybe not censored, but maybe suppressed in a way, especially? And, and I understand that there's, their argument is that this is typically not done, that they would typically not hold debates. But because the president's polling numbers are what they are, and it sounds like most people don't want him to run again, um, is that part of your argument? Yes. But there is something that goes beyond just the debate issue, and that is the whole idea of manipulated narratives by mainstream media. And so I feel that something bigger is going on here than just the refusal of the DNC to allow debates. You know, as long as you have a profit-making news system, and particularly so since the Telecommunications Act of 1996, you know, there used to be a fairness doctrine. There used to be a guaranteed diversification of information. When I was a child, the same company couldn't own the television station and the radio station and the newspaper. Today, you have these huge conglomerates and they control the narrative of the mainstream media and they clearly line up for one party or the other, no matter what they say. And that leaves those of us who do not line up with the corporatist uh, media element in either party sometimes left out. And so absolutely, there is, there is suppression there. And it goes beyond not having debates. It goes into being blackballed, obviously, uh, from certain mainstream media programs and so forth. And there's shadow banning on social media as well. This is why I feel so strongly that we should have um, public funding of federal campaigns. If you look at a country like England, for instance, like why is it that American political figures have to raise so many billions of dollars to begin with? You have to raise billions of dollars uh, in order to have TV ads. So right there, that puts you in a category that a only a small slice of Americans can afford or be able to attract. 
But even beyond that, still you're in competition with other people. Do you have more billions? What we should have is a system which is equal, which gives every political candidate the opportunity to be in front of the American people. It shouldn't be dependent on whether or not the DNC gives you debates. It shouldn't be dependent on the strategy of Fox or CNN or MSNBC at any given moment. The American people, this is a critical time in American history. And I see a political campaign like I see a job interview. It's a long job interview process. And the American citizen, and that's the issue here, the American citizen, not a media conglomerate and not a political party, the American citizen. Jefferson said our power is only safe. The only safe repository for power is in the hands of the citizen. They should have access. So, for instance, in the Democratic Party, it should be guaranteed within the system that the average voter hear me, hear President Biden, and hear Bobby Kennedy. And without without manipulation of narrative, but just all of us uh, having a chance to be in front of the American people. And that particular corruption of our system at this time is deeply detrimental to our democracy. Tell me more about that in the context of your campaign. I, I know... Um... There was a a phone conversation that that was leaked. Um, I guess Politico wrote an article about it. And it seemed like the main focus of that was your concern over the campaign's cash. Cash is king. Um, If you're having trouble fundraising, um, what what do you do now? Like, what's your pivot? Well, and this goes back to the whole, uh, to the larger conversation that we're already having about disinformation, manipulation of narrative. You know, when certain unethical journalists and unethical whomever else creates narratives that then creates suspicion on the part of people or the story, she's not a serious candidate. Just even that word, she's not a serious candidate. What what I'm serious about is the fact that one in four Americans live with medical debt. What I'm serious about is the fact that 70 percent of Americans say they live with chronic economic stress. What I'm serious about, you know, here, I'm here in Los Angeles right now. Do you know that 80% of the families whose children go to the unified public school system in Los Angeles live beneath the poverty line? I'm serious about the condition of the environment. So all these kind of subliminal messages. Yes, it creates, and purposely so, a strategized narrative by those who create it. And then, of course, this affects your fundraising because people want to invest in somebody they think actually has a chance. So these are um, things that every serious person needs to look at. And the only good news is I think more and more people are looking at them. You, you do have to get past these two Democrats at this phase before you get to a general and face a Republican. And, and obviously your rival, um, Bobby Kennedy, at this point, other than the president, he seems to have gotten a bit of the spotlight. Do you think that is about timing, the proximity to COVID? Um, the skepticism of, of vaccines and how COVID was handled. Is there something to his message on that front that's sort of capturing people um, regardless of party? My assumption is that, yes, that is a big factor. Is that something that we do need to, to talk about? I mean, there are some folks who say, look, COVID, that's in the past. Where are we going? What's our future? And there are other folks who really want to have a deeper dive and a deeper look into what happened and I, what we were I told. Think in general, I think it is an unhealthy rather than a healthy thing that when America goes through something, whether it comes out well or it doesn't come out well, 
the officialdom has a has a tendency to go, oh, okay, well that's over. Let's go on. And that is as true of what happened with that 20 years of 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 a spectacular failure spent too long in Afghanistan. What about the way we exited? What about Iraq? We say, okay, well, that didn't go well. And I so I think the fact that people are not okay, which is moving on now about COVID, is of itself healthy. I think that it's extremely important for Americans more than not to trust our institutions. We need that. And today there is, we have tipped over into unhealthy skepticism. Healthy skepticism, yes. Mm-hmm. Unhealthy skepticism goes into conspiratorial paranoia. But at the same time, I think most reasonable people recognize that the institutions themselves have created some of this problem by their own lack of transparency, by their own malfeasance in some cases. So I do not share the view that the CDC is made up of terrible people who are out to pull me. I, I don't. I don't. But do I think that there's some things for us to look at uh, and questions that have not been answered? Yes. And I think it is the role of the healthy skeptic citizen within all of us to ask uh, reasonable questions. Finally, Marianne, I just want your take on the Republican side of the ticket as you run for president. I'm sure you pay attention to um, to what's going on. Lots of, of candidates. The field's grown quite large. But the former president, Donald Trump, still dominates the polls despite his legal challenges. And I, I wonder in your crystal ball, is he the nominee Which despite these have, challenges? The or are we... Which I do not have, by the way. <laughs> are we in for, are we in for a, a wild Republican primary process? Well, obviously, we're in a wild Republican primary process. But that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with a wild primary process. That's kind of, it's called democracy. Democrats shouldn't be so wary of a wild uh, primary process. You know, in 2016, Republicans had a lot of, they had the same kind of so many candidates. And guess what? The Republican won. So what's wrong with a wild process? This is part of what the wild and crazy wonderfulness of American democracy. I don't have a a problem with the fact that there are a lot of candidates and and they're going at it and, and let that play out. That's not a bad thing. That's the messiness of democracy. But the messi- messiness of democracy is not what we should be afraid of. Democratic presidential candidate Marianne Williamson, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And now, some good news with Tanya J. Powers. A 74-year-old West Virginia woman who just completed her second National Senior Games 5K run says she's just getting started. Carol Rustin just started running in late 2020, and she liked it so much that she started hitting the pavement with her 7-year-old granddaughter, Gabby. The little girl would tell her when there was gravel in the road, keep an eye on obstacles, and let her know when a car was coming. That's because Carol is blind. She says shortly after she took up running, she decided to do 5Ks. Since the beginning of her training in 2020, she has run about 15 races. Last year, she ran the National Senior Games 5K unassisted. She says she had planned to use a direction app, but it malfunctioned just before the race. So she finished it by listening to the sounds of other runners' footsteps and voices. This year, with the help of a local running guide, she placed 15th in her age group and finished the race in just 45 minutes. When asked if she plans to continue her journey as an athlete, she says a resounding yes, and that this is, quote, just the beginning. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News.
The Fearless and Proud podcast series looks at acts of bravery and strength by women. And in this first season, we look at women who played important roles in the Civil War. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Brian Kilmeade. What's on your mind? Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade for the Fox News Rundown. My topic, nuclear energy, specifically Robert Oppenheimer. Who is he? Well, he's the focus of a brand new movie, a movie that's rolled out, certainly be a big hit, get a ton of awards. Why? Unbelievably well done, unbelievably insightful, and so apropos to today. He is the father of the A-bomb, the man that put together the Manhattan Project. Anytime you need a rush to get something done, like, I don't know, Operation Warp Speed to get a vaccine, they said we need a Manhattan Project-type mentality. All hands on deck, the smartest people in the world, all towards one mission. For that mission, it was to end World War II and beat Hitler to the A-bomb because he had scientists doing the exact same thing. Now, we won the race, beat Germany without it, take out Japan because of it. In the end, we're still dealing with the problem today. And believe it or not, Robert Oppenheimer predicted it. He said, we can't get the genie back in the bottle, but we need a world governing body to govern this. Next thing you know, the Soviet Union got it. China has it. The H-bomb comes into play. People talk about spies and communism, and that's where we're at today. We had a Cold War and a standoff, and we thought we'd be in a peace period. We are not. We worry about aspiring belligerent nations getting it. North Korea, case in point, Iran. We worry about countries giving it up and being vulnerable. Case in point, Ukraine. Case in point, Libya. You could argue they wouldn't have been invaded if they kept it. I'm Brian Kilmeade. That's what I think about Oppenheimer, nuclear energy for the Fox News Rundown. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.